Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. Uh, he's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. And also, let's not forget about our friends at Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. So uh, all that stuff is good. Athletic Greens, bet online, visit our friends. They help us. Uh, Greg, let's jump into some headlines here. Uh, First of all, this kind of relationship between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick is something we want to dig into before we get into the Steelers game coming up this weekend. Uh, A couple of things. Belichick gives an interview to Shaughnessy before the season starts. Uh, You have Kraft popping up, talking about uh, Kendrick Bourne. Of course, he didn't personally pop up, but it got to Tommy Kern, as we discussed in the podcast earlier this week. Is there a connection there? Is something going on behind closed doors that we need to keep a close eye on? Uh, a little bit. I- I'm not ready to go like, oh, my God, you know, five alarm fire. Um, you know, they're, they're back to, you know, when, you know, Greer was here and Parcells and that sort of thing. I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, a, c- a couple of notes on this. Because I know Felger has made a big deal out of Belichick talking to Shaughnessy and, and, and about how that goes up the Kraft's backside. There is a lot of truth to that. Um, Shaughnessy, the Crafts do not like Shaughnessy. Um, they, <laughs> Shaughnessy loves to poke the Crafts, whether it's about the, the, the lifeguard chairs or whatever. And it, ju- it just gets under their skin, especially Jonathan. It gets under their skin, has for years. They do not like him. So is there something to that? Yes. I will also say, in fairness, you have to point out that it's not unusual for Belichick to do these sort of right-before-the-season interviews. Um, for a long time, it was Ron Borges that he used to do this with. I remember you know, when I was, when I was on the beat – the first yep. time around, I remember being in Miami and Borges having this interview with Belichick, like in the hotel, like the, the day before the Dolphins game. And I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, Bill definitely has his people that he goes to. And plus it's aligned with, hey, who am I going to reach the most people? You know, like, you know, Bill, I know Bill has a lot of respect for me, but I don't have the biggest audience in terms of BSJ where it's, you're talking about the Boston globe. I mean, look, it, it no matter what shape it, it's in right now, no matter who they have covering the team and things like that, the globe, especially for older people, um, you know, and the people who have influence with money, 
they they have a lot of they have a lot of influence over over those people. It gets the word out to them. It's just like the crafts will always do something with the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or, you know, Goodell will do the same sort of thing. You know, it's because they're trying to speak to the money people, the people who have influence. And so that I wouldn't say it's just like I wouldn't look at the the interview between Belichick and Shaughnessy as well, that's Belichick just going out to hit the crafts. No, he, he has another motive, which is he's trying to get his word out, his sort of explanation to the widest net possible, and also people who have money and power in this market. So right. that's that's definitely part of it. But, you know, do I think – let's just talk about the craft, you know – Curran's report and, and, you know, I heard it last night. I was on TV with Felger and Holly and, you know, a couple of questions I sort of have about it, you know, hearing Curran actually say it, he talked about like how it was noticed in the owner's box during the game. And I think Tom basically said like Kraft, let it be known around there, like in the box or people who uh, were around Curran during the game that gotcha. this wasn't going to happen next week. To me, that's uh, that's something different than – and look, could, Tom may report something different. Tom's a great reporter. He has great information. But to me, this sounds like Kraft or Jonathan – sorry about that. Um, it's okay. We love wind chimes. It, it brings yeah. the peace to the bar. <laughs> um, that they are – they're just sort of – flexing for their people that are in the box you know their guests their people showing i'm the owner of this team now is that the same as Kraft going to belichick in his office after the game or this week and and asking him questions about the team i think that's there's a huge difference in that and do i think that robert Kraft would ever do that in terms of after one week after one game after, you know, one player's playing time is cut, a guy that I, you know, I told you all summer, Aguilar outplayed him in practice. He did. And the Patriots, like you said, we talked about it last week. The Patriots ran two personnel packages, 12 with two tight ends on the field. That means two wide receivers and 11 with three wide receivers on the field. Now, does Devontae Parker need to play every single snap of the game like he did last week? No, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, Bourne was going to be down the list. He was probably, even if there wasn't any outside factors, he was probably only going to get 10 to 15 snaps due to where he played himself in the in training camp and in the preseason. He got benched for the Panthers game. That's not helping his cause either. And so do I think Robert, after one week, would go to Bill and say, you're playing this guy, I paid him, blah, blah. No. Do I think that maybe Jonathan goes to somebody around Bill and says, like, you know, what's the deal? You know, Robert would really like to see, you know, can we see if he can play a little bit more? Yeah, I could see something like that. But I don't think we're at sort of a death stare or, you know, huge saber rattling between Belichick and Kraft quite yet. But there are a lot of different factors in playing this whole thing. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to hear, you know, when you think about it. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, at first blush, we talked about this in the last pod this week, the idea of Kraft kind of laying down the lawn saying, well, you know, Kendrick Bourne, he's going to play next week, Bill. I, I don't like that. I don't like the meddling. Uh, mm-hmm. But given the context that you've added here, that that Tommy kind of added as well, this idea that, you know, he was in the box. I, I could see this where 
the message was kind of sent somehow, some way, and Kraft knew that Bourne might not be as big of a part of the game plan as you know one might suspect or expect. And so people might be asking about him in the box and, and Kraft could be like, well, you know, this it's, it's not going to be the same thing next week. I do think that's a completely different scenario than the owner marching downstairs, banging on the door and saying, you got to play this guy more snaps. So I agree with you. That's a completely different scenario. Uh, let's talk about TV ratings because I know that this has been a conversation uh, in New England here this week, the last couple of days. So in the 2021 season opener against Miami, same football team, uh, there was a 33.1 rating in Boston, a 66 share. Uh, the 2022 season opener last Sunday, uh, that 33.1 rating dropped to 23.9. The share dropped from 66 to 62. And if you were wondering about the uh, the rating average for last season, it was 31.5. So the rating again this past Sunday was 23.9. The average for last year was 31.5, i.e. less eyeballs watching the Patriots. Uh, just first, your read on that, Greg, the, the ratings dropping. Again, share dropped four as well. But kind of, you know, people would, would look at that and say, there's a, there's a lack of excitement. There's a lack of interest in this football team, relatively speaking, compared to prior years. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a huge concern. And, uh, you know, and and this if this sort of continues, if the Patriots are have sort of fallen off a little bit in terms of uh, their influence, their interest in the region, then this will only and we're going to talk about it in a minute. This will only add to Kraft's leverage should there be a, a point in time where. He needs to ask some serious questions of Bill Belichick if the season doesn't go well. So, I, I mean, I think it's that, it's a huge drop. Now, you know, the Patriots for years, I mean, they they regularly got 30s. I mean, I, I think Felger and Maz did. They had the previous year's numbers. And every year it was like, it was absurd. Some Somewhere in the 30s for the opener. And yeah. look, even the Cam Newton year, I think it was in the 30s. All right. So first game after Tom, probably some excitement. Hey, what what are they going to do with Cam Newton? Also against the Dolphins, um, and then you so you can understand some interest there, some you know curiosity factor. And then last year you had the first round pick in Mac Jones. How's it going to look? Curiosity factor. But I I do think I think this reflects when you look at the team. Say you're an average person and you're not. All right, I'm 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 Patriots all the time. I I you know I watch them all the time, no matter what. Um, sort sort of more of the casual fan, right? You look at this team and you're like, all right, I see what they did last year. Um, what have they added to this team? Why why is it going to be any better? I don't know. You don't have Dante Hightower anymore. You don't have Kyle Van Noy. You don't have Jamie Collins. You don't have J.C. Jackson. Uh, you know, Shaq Mason, who was one of the best offensive linemen. So exactly like how is this team going to be better than 10 and seven and getting blown off the field at the end of the last year? I didn't like that feeling watching that the last month of the season. How is this going to be any different? And I think that's reflected in the ratings. I think that, um, you know, this is this is a big trust in Bill, uh, believe in Bill type of year, probably <laughs> probably the biggest one ever. And, you know, you also know stuff that you hear things about what's going on with the coaching staff. You hear stuff that it didn't look good all summer. And right. I think that's that's the result that you get. And I think it's a very real factor, and especially with the crafts. 
A couple of things here. Uh, I do think that we have to pay special attention to the casual fans, as you just brought up. Uh, a few things, though. Uh, is it a concern? Yeah, I'm sure it's a concern for the crafts. And anytime your ratings drop, speaking from a radio standpoint, you're, you're concerned when you see a significant dip, right? But I would also say that we have to look at things relatively speaking. They did have the greatest quarterback of all time for 20 plus years. So um, that obviously bumps the rating every single week when you have Tom Brady, right? When Brady's out there, you're going to score in the 30s because it's Tom freaking Brady. Look at the viewership on Sunday night. Tampa and Dallas. It was through the roof. Brady brings eyeballs. Okay. Um, not everybody that lives in Boston that watches football is actually from Boston breaking news. It's very territorial, but still those casual kind of outside Boston people, those people that might've grown up in Rhode Island or Connecticut that live in Boston, that might be giants fans or jets fans. You know, those people will be more apt to watch Tom Brady than anybody else if it's not their own football team. Secondly, I would say the COVID year I throw out, like Cam Newton, we can go back and go, oh, Cam Newton's year, the ratings were this, this, that, and the other. COVID changed the game. Everybody was home, sitting on their ass. Bars were closed. You had nothing to do on Sundays but watch football. Throw it out. It's an anomaly. I don't count it. Last year, yes, Mac Jones. I I think that's a big deal here. It was the first time that Belichick had used a first-round pick on a quarterback. People knew Mac Jones from his time at Alabama. So I think there was some curiosity there. And that and, and that they signed a bunch of they signed a bunch of free agents too, spent a bunch yes. of money, you know, Matthew Judon, all those guys. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry. There was an mm-hmm. excitement around the offense because those guys came in because the money that was spent. So yeah, the ratings are down. And uh and and that's that should be a concern. And I guarantee you it's a concern for the crafts and other people in that facility. But again, relatively speaking, let's see where it goes. And, you know, I would love to see if we were comparing these numbers to other cities, for example, instead of comparing them to Boston when they went through a dynastic run, we might get a better feel for where the numbers should be. So I I think it's definitely a story. It's definitely a concern. When ratings drop, we all pay attention. It means less people are watching, which means less people are invested and interested. But they were at the very tippity top of the hype and the height. And so let's not forget that either, that no matter what happened, it might've been inevitable that the ratings were going to drop a little bit, not as significant as they did in week one, but it was probably inevitable that when you went from that transition and now you're year two in Mac Jones and you know who Mac is and the other stuff that you brought up, there was going to be somewhat of a drop. Let's see if the consistency stays going forward where This is a big drop, and I think what's worse, Greg, which moves us to the next topic here, if the if the ratings if they sustain where they are, I think you you don't feel as bad if you're the crafts. You still don't like it, but if you start to see if this team loses more games and then less viewers and less viewers, and when you're at week fourteen, week week fifteen, and you might be looking at a seven and ten season, and you look at your ratings as a steady decline starting lower than you wanted them to start to begin with. That's going to be an interesting conversation with the crafts and Belichick. And, you know, what could that lead to? And would it give more leverage? I think it would. Absolutely. Would it give more leverage to the crafts, possibly entertaining, getting rid of Belichick a year or two earlier than they might have wanted to before all that stuff came about. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely um, interesting. I mean, you know, uh, one thing that I was I was thinking about, like, you know, it, and this all ties into I could just tell you that um, my conversations um, with and around the crafts during the past year or so, uh, they are as cognizant of anybody as to Bill's choices as far as coaches and what they're doing there. Um, right. They have certainly taken notice. Um, they are letting Bill do what he thinks he needs to do uh, because they think he has earned that. But they are looking at this with as a discerning eye as anybody saying like, all right, Bill, um, we'll let you do what you want to do, but this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. And, you know, we spent a lot of money on this team invested in it two years ago. Uh, You know, we have a young quarterback who looked promising, who, you know, we're, we're talking to a bunch of coaches on our staff and, or, you know, especially whether it's, you know, McDaniels or guys who have left, like, you know, they all think very highly of Mac and that, that we have the right guy. And if it doesn't, if he regresses this year, which he has to this point, it's a long season. You never know how things are going to change. Uh, then I think the the crafts are going to have some very serious questions to Belichick. And, and if not, if not, you know, even more than that, they might go to him and say, look, you had your chance. You earned your chance. This is, this, this did not go well on offense. It did not go well for Mac. We want you to hire a real offensive coordinator or give us an alternative. You need to do something else and tell us what you're going to do. That's going to make it different more than just staying the course. And I, I do think, you know, it's similar to how Brady thought that and Brady senior thought that it would always end badly in new England because there would come a time where um, Bill would sort of put the screws to Tom and say, this is basically what you need to take or else we're going to do something different. And that ended up sort of happening. I think it's similar with the Crafts and Belichick. I mean, you know, it would be two losing seasons in three years. Um, and I think that the Crafts would feel very comfortable with their leverage to say, Bill, this is this is what's going to happen now. And yeah. in years past, Bill could balk at that. Do I think Bill could walk and get a job? Yes. But – you have to look at all the other circumstances and the crafts know how comfortable bill is with his situation here with his kids on staff, with people who have worked around him and with him for 20 years who have families here, the Nantucket compound and all that. And the easy access to that uh, for everyone in Belichick's family, I could totally see the, the crafts being like, bill, you're entitled to do what you want. You, you know, if you want another job and somebody wants to give us compensation for you, Fine, but we feel very comfortable in what we have provided for you here that you're you're not going to want to walk away, that you're going to have to uproot all of this stuff to go and coach a couple more years and start all over again with new everything. Is that what you really want to do? I think the crafts would be very confident, confident in saying, you know, Bill, if that's what you want to do, go right ahead. But we're comfortable here and we're comfortable that we could offer something to say a Sean Payton or somebody that says, you know, that that would be willing to step into his shoes. I agree with you. I mean, O'Brien also, he'll be out of a contract at Alabama. I mean, you know, all right, we already lost Josh. Let's bring Billy in here. We know, you know, Mac can operate that offense. Sorry. You've got names that are there uh, to kind of hang over the head of Belichick in case he wants to call 
the bluff if he believes it's a bluff. Yep. And this is similar to a conversation I had years ago when I was on the Adam Jones show at 98.5. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk. <clears throat> sorry, allergies. Uh, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the Giants. Oh, Belichick's going to go to the Giants. And I said it back then, you know, he has everything the way he wants it in New England. The mm-hmm. nutrition plan. I mean, every single solitary detail passes the desk of Bill Belichick, okay? And, and he has been running this organization precisely the way he wants to run the organization for 23 years. Back then, it was about, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 years, whatever it was. He's 70 years old, folks. Not many you know, 70-year-old head coaches are going to want to uproot everything, as Greg mentioned, move to a different city, and then also just rebuild the program the way they want it to be built. And don't overlook the relationship between Crafts and Belichick. Yes, there, there's obviously a little bit more tension there the past couple of years. But Belichick knows for a fact that he can trust Kraft with a lot of stuff. And no matter what the owner tells you that's going to bring you into a new situation, Belichick at the end of the day doesn't necessarily know if he can trust that owner, which is a big deal. And so I think it's within the rights of the crafts. If, if this is a below 500 season and really there is no 500 anymore, cause there's an odd number of games, but you know, if this is a seven win season or a six win season, maybe even an eight win season, I could see that conversation happen and say, look, we, we gave you, we gave you the last three years to figure this out. And we did not take the steps forward this past season that we should have taken. And the coaching staff was not up to snuff. And it's time to kind of change a few things here. And if, if, if you're not comfortable with that, Bill, we get it. If you want to walk, like you said, Greg, we get compensation. That's fine. But we had set a standard before the prior three seasons here. And that standard is not being close to, to being met. So at a certain point, we've got to change something, Bill. And we can't overturn the entire team. We can't overturn 53. So it's the coaching staff. And we got to figure out how we can do this better so we don't have another season like we just had uh before we get to the Steelers game coming up on Sunday Greg wants to tell you about our friends at Athletic Greens I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place I hated buying tons of pill bottles and stuff like that now I've been at it for two months and I love it it doesn't take taste like it's super healthy kind of has a mild tropical taste a little minty and I actually look forward to it each morning as part of my routine. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I look forward to it every morning. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com, easy for me to say, slash <laughs> Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up your ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
It happens to all of us. Adaptogens. I couldn't say that word for three weeks. All right, let's get to the uh, Steelers coming up on Sunday. Oh, boy. Um, I do not think people should be prepared to watch a very aesthetically pleasing football game no. on Sunday between no. these two offenses. Uh, people oh. know the offensive issues with the Patriots because we talked about it this week. But, Greg, um, try to uh, dissect this uh, Steelers experiment on the offensive end. Well, I'll just tell you this. So I watched I watched the film last night and it, with the with the Bengals. And first of all, it was a full five quarters because it went right down to the end of overtime. And yep. even even with the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, like both both sets of film were just horrendous. Like you, I was just like, how how much longer is left? Like this is just bad football. I think the Bengals didn't play very much in the preseason. Their offensive line is terrible. Teddy Karras is out there playing center, not exactly his forte. Um, it, you know, sacked like seven times in that game. But but anyways, the Steelers, I would rather watch the Patriots offense that I watched all summer than more of the Steelers offense. <laughs> oh, oh. And people know how I feel about the Patriots offense all summer. Oh, they know. Yeah, <laughs> they certainly it it's it's brutal. Let's just start with the fact that. The Steelers can't block at all. They're they stink on the offensive line. I mean, poor Najee Harris. Like, you know, he just keeps running into a brick wall every time. Um, you know, Mitch Trubisky tries to get back for a pass, has no time. It's it's just brutal all the way across, especially the three interior guys. They are terrible. Do the Steelers have some really nice per, uh, skill guys? Hell yeah! I mean. Claypool is a featured guy for them. Deontay Johnson, Pickens, the rookie, uh, Freermuth, the tight end is good. Yep. Najee Harris, good running back. But like, man, talk about a donut offense. Like, you know, you have all these nice things on the on the exterior, but no offensive line and a very limited quarterback. Mitch Trubisky is the same guy that we saw in Chicago when. Him and it, when when he nearly pulled off an upset of the of a Patriots team having a bad day where he just ran around. Does he have skills yet? The dude is fast. You know, you let him get out, he's going to run for a while. And does he have a really good arm? Yes, he does. But man, he he just doesn't get settled behind. He he does not look down the middle of the field very often. Everything is quick it's outs we'll throw some deeper yep. outs there, there'll be a chance for the Patriots to jump some passes for pick sixes but here's the other thing with this with this Steelers team I know a lot of people the past couple of years haven't watched them very much um, especially you know so they had Roethlisberger last year for the most part and and they they had a new offensive coordinator last year Matt Canada guy who was lifelong in college football um you know, with Big Ben, they stayed true to what Big Ben likes to do. He doesn't move around as well as he does, you know, you know, drop straight drop back. If they're a man to man, throw a go route, you know, some in breaking routes here and there, you know, run the ball a little bit. That was their offense last year without Big Ben. And since Trubisky's a good athlete, they are running a, 
I would call it a bad high school college sort of spread offense where they are doing all sorts of things. Now, are they a bear to prepare for? Because you Claypool carried the ball six times unlike end arounds and they do other things and screens and this and that you're just, you're going to watch it and be like, man, that's a lot of motion for freaking four yards at a time. Like that's, that's (laughs) what it looks like. And so, I mean, it is, like I said, I would rather watch if, you know, I was captured by enemy troops and subject to torture. And they were like, you can watch the Steelers offense or the Patriots offense for the next month straight. I would be like, give me Matt Patricia's Patriots offense all day because I do not want to watch that Steelers offense again. It is awful. Awful. A couple of uh, analytical things here about this offense, some numbers for you from last weekend's game to kind of put a fine point on what Greg was just talking about watching the film. Uh, Half of Trubisky's throws last week traveled five yards or less. Nine of those throws were either at or behind the line of scrimmage. Um, You have uh, Trubisky, you know, he's highly calculated, but highly flawed throwing the ball deep. He's got the arm, but he's a little afraid to throw it down there sometimes. Uh, He was two for seven with throws beyond 20 yards. Uh, He was 0 for three. 30 yards or more throwing the football in the air play action. Very similar to the Patriots. We talked about the Patriots not running play action at all. Like last week, Um, the Steelers ran it more as, as a gimmick, you would say six of their 40 dropbacks. They utilized play action. So not big on the play action. And Greg also mentioned, you know, they were not able to run the football. Uh, Let's talk about their defense, Greg. And, And of course we've got to lead off with two names. The first name is TJ Watt who is going to be out this weekend. The second one is Brian Flores. Yep. Yeah. I mean, do you look what I think he is any reigning defensive player of the year? I think he is. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's, he's outstanding. I mean, you know, even on, even when he can't get to the passer and the passer goes three-step drops, he has a technique now where he got a pick off of Joe Burrow last week where he just, he knows how to combat that. His brother, JJ was very good at that as well. He's just, he, he had a sack where he just bullied the right tackle and he's just outstanding and not, and not having him is huge. Now, you know, Highsmith, uh, who starts opposite TJ Watt is a good player, yeah. gets a lot of pressure, yep. you know, he'll, they'll give him more attention now. So, you know, yeah, I, I guess the Reed kid, uh, Malik Reed, who I think has been around for, he's 26 years old. Um, you know, been around a little bit, you know, solid player, but they're going to have a drop off there. Good defensive line. I, I love Miles Jack. People probably remember him from uh, yep. from Jacksonville. He's he's their best linebacker. Not a big fan of Devin Bush, 55. Jack, 51 is the one to watch. I like their cornerbacks. Sutton made a tremendous interception over the middle uh, where Burrow was a little bit late to a pass. Fitzpatrick, the safety is unbelievable. Um if you think Javon Holland from the Dolphins was good, Fitzpatrick is better at this point. Uh, Edmonds is a big physical tackle. But I think the big thing is, and the, the Patriots have to be fearful of it, is you know Brian Flores always has, especially after his lawsuit with the NFL and Bill's text and messing him up with Brian Dable, you know Flores <laughs> is out. To, to sort of strut his stuff in this game. And he will, nobody's oh, yeah. better at attacking pr- protections and the Patriots protections than Brian Flores. And I'm sure watching the film last week against the Dolphins, 
he sees blood in the water, and I assume they are going to be coming a lot at the Patriots. And so you have to, with with their line issues, uh, they had to double their efforts this week to make sure that they're ready because Flores is going to, Tomlin is going to let Flores throw the kitchen sink at them this week. Yeah, without T.J. Watt, how creative will Flores be? I think he's going to be, and he's, you know, he's not necessarily the defensive coordinator, right? But he's a part of the brain system there, the brain function. So, you know, how will they be able to put things together? And, and I'm sure Flores will have a major say in the defensive game plan this weekend because of his history and because of his knowledge and all of that stuff. Um, Highsmith is good. Three sacks, two tackles for loss, four quarterback hits against Cincy. Cincy's offensive line was trash last week. Kind of surprising because they did invest in the O-line this offseason. Uh, but it's not like the Patriots offensive line is much better. So, uh, but uh, the extra attention should help, as you mentioned, Greg, against Highsmith. Uh, Fitzpatrick, crazy ball hawk, AFC defensive player of the week last week. Uh, Mac is going to have his head on a swivel looking for Minka all day long because Fitzpatrick, he'll jump routes, he'll do crazy things. I mean, he's just, he's really good on the back end. Um, so it, it's going to be a, a very fascinating uh, kind of, I think, tit for tat between uh, the Patriots offensive staff, which we don't feel great about, and the Steelers defensive staff, which if I was Pittsburgh, I, I would be pretty confident that that you can do some things to rattle those cages after watching last week um all right let's jump to before we got to jump to our prediction but before we do that let's tell the awesome people listen to this podcast about betonline.ag football is back and betonline is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season find all the latest football odds news and game matchups including this year's uh this this year's week two games Bet online is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts and I checked the bet online uh, odds for this game uh, a little bit yep. surprised. It's climbed. People were surprised when the Patriots were favored by one. Now they're favored by two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pats minus two. What do you think, Greg? Uh, I really like the Patriots in this game. Um, uh, I, I just, I think it's going to be very low scoring. I think that, um, I have more confidence that the Patriots defense won't give up a bust, especially after they sort of gave up their bust last week, the Duggar play, the Bentley play to Waddle. Um, they don't usually do that consecutive weeks and they'll redouble their efforts on the defensive side of the ball. The Steelers always seem like they have a big bust in, in almost every game, um, you know, because they do get a little creative in the back end. I will say I, I did I did not find their scheme overly created. Now the Bengals took the approach of we're going to, we're going to spread them out shotgun so we could see, we're not going to let them get into their designer stuff. Uh, they know them very well being in the division. Of course you could do that with Joe, Joe Burrow and a lot of those weapons uh, worked against them with their protection. But I, I was, I was somewhat surprised at how um, uncreative the Steelers sort of coverages and blitzes were. I, I, I just think that the Patriots, 
have the opportunity to do more on offense than the Steelers do. I, I just don't – I see this as a very low-scoring game. I, I think the Patriots win uh, 16-10, somewhere in those <laughs> range. It's just yeah. like, yeah, it's not going to be must-see TV, I can tell you that much. As you said the score, that's exactly what was in my head. So pretty much everything what Greg just said, I take the Patriots. Just put this in perspective, Cincinnati last week, they were minus five in the turnover margin. So minus five on turnovers, and they gave up seven sacks. And they had a chance to win the game in overtime if, you know, the kicker didn't miss a couple kicks. And, and their kicker's usually very good, McPherson. Yeah. So, you know, minus five in turnover margin, giving up seven sacks, and it was that close, and it looked like that. I just – I would hope the Patriots don't turn the football over five times and give up seven sacks. So I would roll with the Pats. Uh, BS member question of the day, BSJ member question of the day, Greg, of course, check out their annual plan at 3999. Uh, why is the dolphins? This is from OWBNID. If that's supposed to mean something, I don't know. Uh, why is the dolphins penalty an iffy penalty? And you were pretty silent on the mugging Devonte Parker got on the interception by Mac Jones. Now, this is a member who is definitely in the bill. We trust uh category he also had some uh, uh choice words uh about my analysis from this game that i was too negative oh, okay Ooh. sorry uh sorry that you know the patriots lost for a four straight time to tua and uh you know i should be a little bit more brighter about that but look the dolphins the the penalty the fourth and one penalty i think it was a makeup call uh at least even things out you know i saw it i didn't see the defensive back gain an advantage on Parker. I didn't see a blatant grab, which is what you're looking for on defensive holding, like off the line. And there was a play there to be made. They just, the Patriots didn't make it, um, you know, not a great ball by Jones. And it was just, the play wasn't even designed to go there. It, it was, it was like, we went, we went over this play in the last pod where Aguilar didn't run the right route and Max just throwing a jump ball. It's a hail Mary. They should not reward plays like that unless it's blatant unless there's someone's blatantly you know grabbing somebody gaining an advantage or what have you and i'm sorry like you, patriots fans can complain all they want about the the Devonte parker opening uh interception but Devonte parker was asked about it after the game and he did not think it was pass interference he said that he's on the record and he wasn't just being nice it was a it was a 50 50 ball Devonte parker had his hands also on howard and it was two guys, two good players being physical with each other and, you know, not the greatest ball by, by Jones. And Parker admitted he mistimed his jump. So uh, I thought it was a just go with a no call. It happened to uh, Dolphins happen to get a lucky bounce and get an interception. And so that was the play. So I'm not going to I'm not going to scream from the heavens. And plus, there's 55 minutes left in the game like you know, do a better job overcoming it. So that's why I remained silent on it. I just think it was a, it was a 50, 50 ball. Dolphins won that one. Move on. Appreciate your opinion. It was DPI. It was DPI. It was obvious DPI. And, and I appreciate uh, Devonte Parker coming out in the post game and not complaining about it and being a professional DPI 10 times out of 10. Uh, Howard Long. had his Howard had his shoulder pad with a full clutch of the Jersey for the last, I'd say three or four yards of the route into the end zone and was aggressively pulling down on that shoulder. Uh, it's DPI. It should have been called. They, they didn't do the makeup call later in the game. I agree on that. Uh, but to me, it was DPI. 
He's Greg. I'm Nick. Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Thanks to betonline.ag and Athletic Greens. Let's see if they get a W on Sunday against Pittsburgh, I hope, because if not, it's going to get even uglier. Uh, Until next week when we talk about that game, be good, be healthy, and be safe.